chapter 20. That's where we're going to be. We open our Bibles. So John chapter 20, we're going to look at the whole chapter and chapter 21. We're going to look at three new beginnings, okay? So we're going to look at the world's new beginning. Then we'll look at the church's new beginning. And then we're going to ask the question, what is my new beginning? What's your new beginning? And so that's where we're going. Uh, by the way, we, we got some really nice Bibles here. Uh, and so if you don't own a Bible, don't have a Bible, uh, our ushers would love to hand these out. And so if you would like a nice new Bible, just raise your hand, they'll find you and uh, we'll get you a Bible. Um, let me pray and then we'll get into it. Father, just thank you. I thank you for today. I thank you that, that we're here because you're real and you really did send your son. You really did come, Jesus, to live a life that we could not live. You showed us what love looked like, how to love us, how to, to bring your new creation to this world and, and how you lived. And then Jesus, you went to a cross where you died for us and you did not stay dead. Millions of people are worshiping you because you rose from death. You are God. What you did on the cross, it, it was true. It happened for us. It is the seal by which we stand. It's where our hope is that like you, we too will rise from death. We are so excited to be here this morning. We thank you for the new beginning that you give us. I pray that as we open your word, that you would speak to us. I pray you'd help us have ears to hear. I pray that you would help me preach the Bible. And I just, I thank you for the short church. I thank you how you have led this, this whole time. And so we celebrate you today. It's all about you. So I just pray for your help in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're gonna look at the first point, which is the world's new beginning. And I just want us to look at the first verse for about 15 minutes, all right? And then we'll go rather quickly. So don't freak out. First verse. John 20, verse one. Now on the first day, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Just stop there. The, the morning of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the world's new beginning, it starts with Mary coming to a tomb. She's coming to the place where they bury Jesus Christ. Roman centurions put a spear in his body. They certified his death. Jesus was really dead. What got Christianity off the ground was everyone knew this man died and this man was in a tomb. So she's coming to see a buried Jesus Christ. What makes the resurrection the central hope for us is first understood in what took place so when Jesus died for us. We need to know what Jesus did in his death that makes his resurrection so exciting, so meaningful, so hopeful, everything that we're here to celebrate today. So in Mark 10, Jesus explains very clearly that he came to give his life as a ransom for many. That word for simply means on behalf of or in the place of. Paul in 1 Corinthians, he says, for I delivered to you as of first importance. What is the most important thing that you need to know about Christianity, about Jesus? He says, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, in the place of our sins. So what does this mean? Why is the symbol of Christianity the cross? 
Why do we sing about his blood? Why do we talk about the cross? Well, the answer, as we've read, it was in the place of our sin. So, so for every time we've chosen to abuse other people, take advantage of other people, for every wicked thought, for every wicked deed or word, for every time we didn't care about others' feelings and we hurt others, ignored them, for every time we've ignored God and we've lived like, God, you don't matter, I don't care about you. Instead, I would rather push you out of my life, pretend like you don't exist. I want to be my own God. I want to determine right, wrong, good, and evil for all of our sins, for every sinful act you and I have ever committed was done not only towards others, but to God, towards God who gave us life and everything. And here's what you need to know. God saw them all. God knew them all and they all demanded his justice. And this is the good news of the tomb. Jesus' death was in the place of our death. To put it another way, you need to know that the resur- before there was resurrection, there was substitution. That God credited every one of those sins, every single sin that came to mind when I was reading that, he credited those sins to Jesus. Jesus was the ransom payment. And then while on the cross, God the Father poured out on his own son the divine justice that every one of those sins deserved. And this is what you need to hear. Jesus died in your place. Jesus died to remove what made us separated from God. Jesus died to remove what was needed to bring us into a new beginning, a new relationship with God, enjoying God. He's In Jesus, our sin is removed. In Jesus, our guilt is removed. In Jesus, we have hope. We have hope of an eternal life, enjoying God, having having his love on us forever and having a renewed physical body like him. So let me explain this. Easter says there's a new beginning because of something Jesus did. Again, the gospel is not good advice, it's good news. And this is where Mary finds herself on the first Easter coming to see a tomb. So John continues, verse two. Oh, and by the way, you'll have some of these verses in your handout as well. Some of you have it on the back, some of you have an insert, but verse two. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloth lying there, he did, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloth lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself. Jesus folds his own laundry. Then the other disciple, oh wait, here we go. Then the disciples, where are we? Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Verse 11, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb and she wept. As she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? 
She said to them, they've taken my, away my Lord, and I do not know where they've laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener. She said to him, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me for I've not yet ascended to the father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my father and your father to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. Okay, this is an amazing moment. After she runs and tells Peter and John and they come in and stoop in and they have a race to get there, they leave the empty tomb. We don't know what's going on in her mind. She stays there. She's weeping. Mary is gutted. She doesn't know what happened. They've taken his body. She's in despair. She feels no hope. She's desperate. And the angel says, why are you weeping? implying to her, there's, there's a reason not to weep. There's a hope. And so she turns and he's there. Her victory is there. Her savior is there. And she realizes it's Jesus clings to him. And then he tells her, I have not yet ascended to the father. The unleashing of what I was, what I accomplished will be realized in full as I go and send the Holy Spirit what this means for her, what, what this means for the world is that if Jesus rose from death, he's truly done it. It would mean everything he did in his death for us was accepted and was true. It happened. Uh, uh, Flannery O'Connor, she's a great Catholic Christian writer. Um, in one of her letters, she said, Christianity is worthless. Christianity is worthless if it's not true. So if you're new and you're, maybe you're asking questions about the Christian faith or a good friend invited you, again, thank you for being here. But let me say, don't ask whether Christianity is relevant, even though it is. Don't ask whether Christianity is an adventure, even though it, it certainly is. Don't ask if Christianity is exciting and life-changing and it's working for you, though it certainly does. Ask if it's true. See, friends, the short church, the world's new beginning is not a statement of possibility, but of history. If it's true, it will come true. And that's what they knew. Mary says, I've seen the Lord. Later in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says this, when Jesus rose, he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, then to the 12, and then note this in verse six, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. The reason the gospel spread, the reason Christianity ever got off the ground, the reason we're in this room and is, is because hundreds of people saw and said it happened. Like it happened. Somebody took on death single-handedly and won. We've seen them with our own eyes. By the way, if you were gonna make up a religion and you were gonna be the gospel of John Ryder, you would never have women show up at the first site of resurrection. In the first century, women did not give evidence in court. Their testimony was not admissible. So if you were gonna write and get a religion off the ground, you wouldn't write this. You, this, this is written here because it happened. So look right at me. What Mary is saying is I'm not offering you 
this philosophy as one philosophy among many to see whether it works for you. I'm not saying it's true if it works for you. She's saying it will work for you because it's true. Our God is a God of new beginnings. Okay, let me explain it this way. My kids, they love Costco. How many of your kids, you love, you love Costco? It's the best because you can replace a lunch with just Costco. You know, oh, you guys want another sample of popcorn? They didn't have this. So, you know, so they love Costco. They love Costco for the samples. Um, but one of the things that they love the most is actually when you leave, because they always want the receipt. Because first of all, the guy looks like Santa Claus if you go to the Burnaby one. Um, <laughs> So they're like, oh my God, it's Santa. And he always plays it like he's Santa. Um, but they love, so we always give them the receipt, which is the worst because they lose it. But, uh, and so they love when the guy or the gal just strikes out to make sure everything was paid. The, the other thing they love most is when they turn it over and they always draw a happy face on it. Short church, when Jesus rose out of the grave, the father not only crossed off all our debts, not only made sure that every single thing was paid, he flipped our lives and he put the smile of God in our hearts. This is the good news of the resurrection. See, the resurrection was God's seal of approval on Jesus' sacrifice. If it was our sin on the cross and the Father loves you, he put his smile on you after Jesus paid your debt. Meaning this, the resurrection is the assurance that you are secure in the Father's love. That you are secure in the Father's love. How do you know you are secure in the Father's love? How do you know you will make it to heaven? And we all have that moment of the soul. How do you know? The answer is what Jesus has done, the resurrection. God began a new beginning where you can never lose God's love. Everyone look at your, uh, your notes. There's a quote in there by Charles Haddon Spurgeon. I wanna read this quote, but I want you to follow along with me. Here's what he wrote. The blood of Jesus Christ is blood that has been accepted. Christ died, he was buried, but neither heaven nor earth could tell whether God had accepted the ransom. There was wanted, needed God's seal upon the great Magna Charta of man's salvation, and that seal was put in that hour when God summoned the angel and bade him descend from heaven and roll away the stone, and when Christ came out rising from the dead in the glory of his Father's power, then was the seal put upon the great charts of our redemption. The blood was accepted and sin was forgiven. And now soul, it was not possible for God to reject you if you come this day to him pleading the blood of Christ. And this is the new beginning for the world at Easter. And it's a life that can begin now where you can, you can know him. You can sense him. Jesus can be as real to you as anybody else because God is a God of new beginnings. Paul put it this way. This verse is also in your handout in 2 Corinthians. He says, for the love of Christ controls us because we've concluded this that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. 
The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That word new, it means new times, a new state of affairs, a new life that will last forever. This is the world's new beginning. And I, I wanna make sure that we hear this today. It, it wasn't until they stooped in, it wasn't until they ran, it wasn't until Jesus showed up and said, touch my hands and feet, that they believed. What you need to know is that it's not enough to just know Jesus died. It's no benefit to hear and just have a knowledge that he rose. You must believe. You must turn to Jesus from all other saviors, including yourself, and live for him who for your sake died and was raised. Let me ask you this question today. Where are you with Jesus today? Where are you with Jesus today? Right where you are this morning, right where you sit, I invite you to ask that question, where I am, where am I with Jesus today? I would invite you to believe. I would invite you to make a decision today to believe in Jesus and be forgiven. Receive God's love in you. Give him your life. Trust him, the receipt of everything you've done. Confess that to him and say, Jesus, will you forgive me? And I want you to know that if you're new to this faith or you have no Christian background, we would love to continue a conversation with you. We would. We know there's a lot more to this, but I wanna tell you this this morning, Jesus would invite you not to wait. He wouldn't invite you to wait because he rose from death, which means it is available for today's a day of salvation. If Jesus rose from death, you can no longer live for yourself. That's what it means. If he really did die for you and rise from death, it means you have to throw everything at him. You have to believe everything he says. Okay, some of us, we, we don't wanna come to Christianity because we, we don't like parts of the Bible. We don't like this part or this part. If Jesus rose from death, you have to take everything he said. If he didn't rise from death, don't take anything he said. Everything hinges on this day, this resurrection. If he rose from death, it's true. And you can believe today and you can become a Christian today. Let me ask you this, if you are a Christian, does the love of Christ control you? Paul says, having concluded, Jesus died and rose. Does the love of Christ control you? Have you concluded he is my savior? I need to throw everything at him. Let me ask you if you're a Christian today, where are you with Jesus today? Is Jesus in the margins of your life or is he in the center of your life? Are you living the resurrected life? Are you excited about him? Do you have a relationship with him? I invite you because to, to this morning's theme is a new beginning. It's a new beginning. Jesus says in John seven, if anyone thirsts, let him come. If anyone thirsts, let him come. And, and to me and drink. He says, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. It, it, again, if this is new to you, we, we have starting on Tuesday night, April 3rd, uh, an alpha course in our new Shore Church hub space. It's on First and Lonsdale, right above Beautiful Cafe. You have to climb floor four flights of stairs, but you'll make it. Fourth floor, alpha. 
So this is a night, these are seven nights where we have a dinner together. You can ask questions about Christianity. It's just a safe place to, to watch a video where, you, where they hit a topic each night and you just talk and discuss. I would encourage you to come. If you th can think of a friend or a neighbor, do invite them, come to Alpha for that. Uh, also youth, we have a youth starting this Friday. We're really excited about that, but invite your friends to that same place over there. Okay, let's continue. Um, Verse 19, so we've seen the, the world's new beginning. Now we're gonna look at the church's new beginning. Okay, this is for us. On the, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Shalom, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. I'm risen. You can have peace. As, and then here's, here's what he says to the church, okay? Short church. This is what Jesus says. As the Father has sent me, as the Father has sent me, even so, I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Big idea, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. What we learn is Jesus is saying, I am in an ongoing state of sentness. Meaning the church, the disciples, they won't take over Jesus' mission, but rather Jesus will continue his mission in their going. Jesus is now passionately, actively being sent. And the short church, you exist because Jesus is alive. Jesus is seeking. Jesus is saving. And he's given us the spirit so that we can continue his mission as he does it through us. Here's what this means. They will come. I want us to hear that as, as, as those of you who call the short church home. The resurrection means they will come. I wanna to read to you strong words from Jesus Christ in John chapter 10. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Jesus says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hands. Look right, he's not saying they might follow me or it's possible that they will have eternal life or maybe if they decide the short church, God is at work, God is speaking. We make Jesus known because the mission is sure. If Jesus came out of the grave, there are people who will come to him and bring a new beginning. Paul says it this way, and I wanna share this to us as a word of exhort. I'm really passionate, I'm not trying to yell at you, I'm just really excited. I'm like the strangest yelling guy, okay? First Corinthians 15, this is for us, sure. After Paul explains the entire resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15, he says this as a conclusion. Therefore, because he rose from death, therefore, because you're gonna get new bodies, physical, like him, that will be unbreakable in a new heaven and new earth, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? Knowing 
that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. Your labor is not in vain. There is no work that God will not use. This was the beginning stages of the early church. The disciples, after the Holy Spirit came upon them, began the church. And I'm so excited to be the shore church, to be a church already, but continually on the North Shore for the North Shore. All right, so if that's the world's new beginning, the church's new beginning, we're gonna look at Peter's new beginning. And I want us to see the intimacy, the closeness, and the new beginning that Jesus gives to Peter. So let's read it. So grab your Bible, look at uh, chapter 21. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing, okay? This, I'm going back to what I know. And then they were like, we will go with you. That's what they say. That's a good friend, that's good friends. And then look how bad this sucks. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. That's a bad night. That's a bad night. Um, I want you to imagine this moment for Peter. Peter, if you don't know the story, was following Jesus. Jesus called him while he was fishing. He had a beautiful moment where God miraculously brought some fish into his net. He came, followed Jesus. He was passionate about Jesus. He was the first one to confess, Jesus, you're God, come to save us. And then on the night that he was betrayed, after the Last Supper, Jesus tells him, you're gonna deny me. And he's like, far be it. I am not, I'm not gonna deny you. I'm gonna follow you. And so then that night, I mean, Peter's the guy who pulls out the sword and cuts off the soldier's ear, but he's there by a fire. And I want you to see, this is a charcoal fire. He's at a charcoal fire and he denies Jesus three times. They ask him, hey, you're with him. You were, we were with Jesus. And he's like, no, I wasn't. I wasn't with him, far be it. I am not with that guy. I swear I'm not with Jesus. And then in Luke 22, we read this, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you'll deny me three times. And we read here that Peter went out and he wept bitterly. So imagine he's fishing on a boat. He saw an empty tomb. He's very confused. He doesn't know what's going on. We don't know what's happening in Peter's mind or his heart. But I wanna say this, maybe you're here this morning and this is how you feel. Have you ever had a time where you betrayed someone, where you hurt someone, where you denied someone and it just ate at you? And you just, you felt like nothing good was happening. And then you had a crappy day where you caught no fish. That was your life. And maybe you're here today and you're just feeling like you haven't been to church in a while. And maybe you remember a time where you were following him. You, you had a good year or two, maybe in your teens. And you're back here because a good friend invited you because they love you and they keep bugging you. But you felt deep down like you blew it. I blew it. And may, or maybe you think, James, there's no way God would accept me. There's no way God should love me. If I'm honest with you, I don't think anyone should love me. I've made too big of a mess. This is Peter. And it's dark. And now he's having again one of those days. And then we read this, verse four, just as day was breaking, 
Jesus stood on the shore. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. After Jesus rose from death, he came to restore his disciples on the shore. He came to them and watch, watch what he does. Verse five, Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? He knows they have no fish. That's the best line if you're Jesus. Do you guys catch anything? No. That's what they answered him. No. He said to them, cast it out on the other side of the boat and you will find some. They're like, who is this guy? All right. So they cast it. And now, and now they were not able to haul it because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it's, it is the Lord. That's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and he threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. Look at verse nine. Don't miss verse nine. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it. Jesus recreates the scene for Peter. Jesus recreates the scene where Peter denies him at a charcoal fire and comes to restore him, to revive him, to renew Peter's heart. He came to give him a new beginning. God is a God of new beginnings. And then after breakfast, Jesus restores Peter's threefold denial by coming to him and saying to him three times, Verse 15, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to him, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Jesus comes to Peter and restores him, brings healing in his love. And this is what Jesus does. What I want you to see this morning is that when we plunge our failures into his grace, a living grace, we will encounter change and a new purpose. So many of us are not living for anything. We're not living for God, we're living for ourselves. And when Jesus rose from death, we read in 2 Corinthians, he died so that we would no longer live for ourselves, but for him who was raised. When Jesus restores someone, he restores them to a purpose, to a mission. He tells Peter, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. This is a new beginning because Jesus rose from death and this is what Jesus does. And this is what he's saying this morning that I believe some of you are in here because like Peter, the church, we are all a mess. Like I know there are addictions in this room. I know there's depression in this room. I know that there are fears in this place. I know that there are people just struggling with identity and, and, and sexuality and frustration. I know those of you are in here and your marriages just feel like you're hanging on by a thread. You just, you deep down think, I don't know how long I can do this, right? So I mean, and if you got kids, someone got yelled at this morning. You, they did. You were found parking and someone was yelled at and then you came in here and someone's like, happy Easter. And you were like, happy Easter. I know that. 
I know that. It's, I know you feel lonely, we feel desperate, we feel angry, and on and on we could go. But what we just saw in Jesus is that God, in his initiating love, look right at me, leaned not away from us, but toward us. Jesus came on the shore, not away from Peter. He wasn't done with Peter. Jesus leaned into Peter's mess and he restored him and he brought a new beginning and he's here today to do the same with you. I believe that you can run to him. He invites you to sit down at a charcoal fire and be forgiven and be restored and have a new beginning. This is the invitation this morning. On Easter Sunday, make a decision. I'm gonna live a new beginning for Christ. So if you've lived a nominal Christian life where Jesus just shows up once a month, maybe. Today's a day for a new beginning. The greatest life is a life that's lived for Jesus. That's the invitation. Not just to have Jesus fix you up, but to follow him. I wanna be your church, Jesus. I wanna live for you, Jesus. I wanna feed your lambs, Jesus. I wanna say this very clearly. God wants to use you. God takes our greatest failures and he plunges them into his grace and he turns us into leaders. Jesus took the worst possible failure and he met him and he loved him and he commissioned him. And this is the new beginning we have in Jesus. This is the new beginning we have for the world and for the church and for you today. So I wanna ask you again, where are you with Jesus today? Where are you with him? The band's gonna come up right now, but I wanna say this, he's on the shore. He's on the shore and he's wanting to restore you. He's wanting to bring a new beginning into your life. I'm really excited. Next week, we're starting um, to go through the book of Colossians. We're gonna start a new series. We're gonna go verse by verse through the book of Colossians. And the series called Jesus Changes Everything. It's how Jesus affects and infects every area of our lives from our identity to our relationships, to everything, to our marriages, family, work. If you don't know Jesus or you're excited to have a new beginning with Jesus, I would just encourage you to come with your Bible, grab a new Bible. Christ is the key to everything we need. And come celebrate the baptisms where we are really looking at what Jesus is doing. Jesus is still alive. Jesus can bring you a new beginning. Will you stand with me as we close and respond? Oh, there's the tacos, awesome. I just wanna say thank you for being here. And as we sing, this is the opportunity for us to respond. Every week at, at the Shore Church, we do communion, except for on weeks we do baptism. So there'll be no communion at the front, but this is the time where we remember the resurrection of Jesus. And so as we sing, as we sing these songs, there'll be a prayer couple, two of them over here. They'll take you to the back, would love to pray with you. But take advantage. Ask yourself as we sing, where am I with Jesus today? Tell him you love him. Tell him thank you. I want you to imagine you at that charcoal fire. And Jesus saying to you, do you love me more than these? 
What would your answer be? If Jesus said to you, do you love me more than these? What would your answer be? And then if you heard Jesus say to you, feed my lambs, what would that look like? Everyone knows what that would look like. Feed my lambs. There are people who are hurting. There are people who are lost. There are people who need to hear God's word, God's love, God's resurrection. That's what that means. That we go and we make disciples. We love everyone. This is our call. And so as we respond, don't respond to yourself. Don't respond to us or the band. Respond to Jesus Christ who's risen for you. Let me pray. Father God, just thank you. I thank you again that, that the word is truth, that you, you really did rise from death and you have us on the shore because you're on the shore and you have many in this city who are yours. That's why we're here. So I thank you for our first Sunday. I thank you for your resurrection. I pray that new beginnings would, would come by the power of your spirit. I pray you would haunt us all week with this message. I pray that you would bless us all week with that image of you restoring Peter. And I pray that we would come alive in a new way because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray as we sing now, as we respond, you would meet with us in Jesus' name, amen.